Welcome to today's episode. And in this edition of the Upco Show, we're going to be talking to someone who got his start coaching young teenagers with severe disabilities and then was the first person to really usher in the world of membership websites on the internet back in the late 90s. And because of where he started, it actually explains why he's been the starting point for some of the biggest names in the world of online influence or digital marketing. His name is Ryan Lee. He is a very good friend of mine and one of the real gems to go to to learn how to build a business using digital marketing strategies. But at his core, he is a coach with a big heart. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the UpCoach Podcast for modern coaches and creators with your host, Todd Herman. In 20 minutes or less, our goal is to share one big idea that will transform your coaching and your business. So let's get into today's episode. All right, Mr. Ryan Lee, welcome to the UpCoach show. It's really exciting to have you. Todd, you're not as excited as I am. Let's go. Let's UpCoach <laughs> this baby. <laughs> as you can tell, Ryan has a certain level of energy that he brings to everything that he does. It's one of my favorite <laughs> things about him. We've been good friends now for about 13 years. Before we kind of jump into the thing I'm excited to talk to you about and someone that is in my kind of purview, a real authority and expert at talking about this shift that you're going to expand on. Where did Ryan Lee start in this world of expertise and coaching? How long have you been doing this and where did you kick things off? Very long time. Well, I mean, you could actually trace it back to my first job right out of college back in 1994. And the first six years I spent as a recreational therapist working at a children's hospital. And I mean, I was coaching them. We had physical activities, you know, there was a lot of the emotional side to it. Then on the side, I was a part-time trainer. I started a strength and conditioning program for young athletes. So I was coaching them at the time. So I was always coaching mostly kids at the time. And then it started to transfer over to online as I built my first sports training membership site back in the late 90s. And that's when it started to go from, okay, just teaching strength and conditioning, working with kids to now working with adults and actually coaching them online and writing up training programs and, and accountability through email. This is before you could do really online video, right? It was all dial up. Yeah. You started doing digital marketing long before it was even close to being easy to do it online. Yeah. I mean, I remember my first ever website URL that I purchased back in the mid 90s cost me like $700. Yeah, they were expensive. <laughs> they were very expensive, right? And then even the idea of setting up a membership site, there was no like platforms to go and use. No. There was no easy plug and play WordPress themes and or whatever the the case is, right? So, yeah. You broke into that. You just said something about where you started though, cuz we had a bit of a similar starting point where we both started working with actually young teenagers and kids. Mm -hmm. What major advantage do you think that that gave you as a skill set when you started working with, quote, adults? Because it gave me a major skill set that helped me out a ton. Well, so the first six years, again, it was in a children's hospital. So it wasn't just kids and teens. It was kids and teens with 
mostly with physical disabilities, but a lot of them had multiple disabilities. So I had kids with cerebral palsy and spina bifida and spinal cord injuries and head injuries. So it taught me, first of all, putting things in perspective, right? So when I would coach people and they get stressed out over a little thing, I'm like, let's relax. Like, we're good. We're going to get through this in perspective. It's not really the worst thing in the world, but it also taught me a lot of patience as well. Yeah. And with those kids as well, especially the kids with the disabilities, just, and I know you've used this word a lot and I love this word too, just like grit, right? And resilience and seeing how much resilience they had and how hard they worked. One kid is like, oh yeah, it's my 19th surgery. And the kid was like 15 years old. And seeing how much grit and resistance they had and, and resilience, and then kind of bringing this over to coaching and working with adults, it definitely set up a really strong foundation. Yeah. You just have such a massive breadth and wealth of great stories then that you can bring into your coaching to set perspective with your existing clientele. Because you can say, hey, I remember when I was working with this young kid who had spina bifida in the Bronx. Because if you can't detect it in Ryan's voice, <laughs> he's as New York as you can get, yeah. even though he's out in Connecticut now. And it's that storytelling, which, you know, that's another interview that I can do with you at another time because you're phenomenal at storytelling that really helps to set up that perspective for people. Sometimes I forget where you also started because it also explains why you have so much. So to the listener, Ryan has been a key influence in the starting points of many of some of the biggest names and influencers in not only the fitness world, but also in the kind of, let's say, digital marketing and influence world because of the events that he ended up holding throughout the 2000s and uh, 2010s. He really is a point of light that a lot of other people will point back to as a great influence and starting point for them. I appreciate it. Thanks, Todd. Okay. So you had just made the transition though, Ryan. So here you are, you're, you're working with these young people and then you started getting into delivering training in a membership type format, which it basically makes the transition into what you wanted to talk about. What was that one thing that made a very big difference in your progression of either building your skill set or your, your business itself? Well, in terms of kind of shifting the way I thought about my business, but on a different level, coaching, right? Because I knew from the beginning when I started to build my online business that I still wanted to have a life. I, I was never attracted to scale, hustle, kill yourself kind of thing. Um, and I knew eventually my wife and I were going to want to start a family. I was going to want to be a dad. So I wanted to build the business around my life. So I was thinking from pretty early on, how do I get more leverage? And I was doing at the start one-on-one -on -one coaching, especially in the online fitness. So people would email me their age, their weight, you know, and I would create training programs for them. But that became pretty time consuming. And then I said, well, how do I help more people at once? And that's when I said, okay, let me create what was people were just starting to call it a membership site, but it was still pretty early on. So I basically took all the articles that I'd written and other people had written, put them behind a paywall. And then the biggest reason I think that the site succeeded, the business succeeded, was we had a private community, a forum. This was before Facebook, before social media. So it was a place where everyone could gather. But what was really cool about it with the coaching, I was kind of leading the charge, but other people were chiming in and helping each other. You could almost call it just accountability, community, whatever you want to call it. But it became this kind of living organism and people were just helping each other out, especially 
with skill sets that maybe I don't, I didn't have. I was, I was a track athlete all through high school and college, and I was really good at sprinting and speed training. But if someone had a question about certain types of power lifts, and I wasn't a, a competitive power lifter, someone else can say, oh, well, make sure you, know, you do hip flexion on this movement. And it was really interesting to see that kind of phase one of my career coaching online fitness and strength and conditioning the community was the shift where I'm like, okay, instead of just working with one person at a time, I could have thousands of members in there getting coaching, accountability, community, and I'm kind of bringing it all together, pulling the resources. Yeah. So was that difficult for you though? Because that is a challenge. I remember what it was like for me when I was, so much of my identity was wrapped up in being this great performance and mental toughness and mental game coach and no matter what I put out there, at the end of the day, people are only going to want Todd. They're not going to want this other thing that I might produce. And I know that is a inflection point of you know a paradigm that needs to be broken for many people. So was that a difficult thing for you to overcome that you were now not going to be just delivering these one-on-one training plans for people, but now it was the value is going to be served by people or community other than you? It really wasn't. I mean, I, and maybe naively, so. I'm glad you said that because sometimes people go, oh yeah, it was so hard. But really, there are some people that it wasn't as difficult. No, it it actually wasn't difficult at all. It was actually much easier. It was a relief. I suddenly felt like, my God, I don't have to do it all. Like I actually, I enjoyed it. However, with that being said, I was a little naive because I would, at the very beginning, I would just let everyone in. Like, oh, someone would email me, especially because at the beginning, I was kind of owning that tribe. And someone would email me, oh, I, can I teach them how to market with this? I'm like, sure, sounds good. And then they'll come in and they'll say, oh, email me for more information. And then someone would, would message me like two days later, like, Ryan, that guy you had on, he's trying to like hard sell me this coaching and he ripped me off. And all of a sudden, that was something I didn't realize. You're really in the Wild West days of like internet marketing. Oh, yeah. Oh. So <laughs> there were people coming out of the woodwork yeah. to do that. Yeah. And I was, I'm very trusting to a fault. And I still am. I mean, that's my set point is like, okay, I'm going to trust you until you screw me over. Yeah. I let a lot of people, and now I'm, I'm a little bit pickier. And I think now what I do is now that I'm known more for teaching business and entrepreneurial skill sets, I still take the lead now when I teach and in my community, but I'll find people with very specific slices of knowledge, like really, really defined knowledge skill sets, and then bring them in. But I'm always there, right? So I don't just send them out and get lazy and say, oh, okay, you're really good at teaching Instagram Reels. Could you just record a 30-minute video or can you do a live training? I'm going to go you know, swim with my kids. They still see my face as part of it. Now, does that give me 100% leverage and free time? No, but that's okay because I think that's what helps bridge the gap And I try to get people who, at least in my thing that I'm teaching business, that have a skill set, but do it in an adjacent market. So for example, they're not teaching Instagram reels and the the only way they make money is on Instagram teaching Instagram reels, you know? So it's like, hey, this is a fitness pro who gets 10 new clients a week by doing Instagram reels. Okay, let's see how you do your Instagram reels. I know that maybe sounds a little bit nuanced. Maybe it doesn't, but I like people who are kind of in the real world building things and, and businesses and coaching that aren't just, they're not just making money teaching business and coaching. So that's another thing I try to stick with as well. Yeah. I mean, it's what I call practitioners, people who are actually 
executing the work as well. So, okay, going back to this whole transition into this inflection point that you had, which was going into now building communities, and you really are the very first, because I've been in this space now since 97. I resolved as well early on that, you know, as a Gen Xer, I saw this whole shift towards the internet early on. And I kind of was maybe an early adopter of that world in trying to connect with athletes as well. And so what are some of the keys for you so that the listener can walk away with some better ideas for building community? What are some of those keys for you that make communities really work? I think you already talked about one, which is making sure that you're really inviting in, not only just from the expert level that might be coming in and contributing, but also from the community side of things that you're really specific about who this group is for. Right. That starts with your marketing, being very purposeful. Like when people see my, my community stuff, I'm not trying to attract the 18-year-old who wants to just model bikinis. on. Like I'm not. That's just not my crowd. Sure. Marketing 101, if you try to attract everyone, you attract no one. So I'm pretty clear with who I'm serving without necessarily calling out. And you've helped me get clarity on that. I'm like, should I just call Gen X? You're like, you don't have to. It'll become apparent. That is such an important point that you just, you know, we're about to skip past that sometimes, I mean, I can catch myself. And then when I do my final edit draft of something, I'm like, wait, you don't have to be so explicit. For example, we would see it in maybe an ad on social media where it says, hey, are you a coach? And so what I see with some people is they're trying to perfectly identify the exact quote avatar or persona of person. And they're thinking it from like a demographic standpoint. And I'm like, you don't need to do that. If you just talk about it from like a psychographic standpoint, you're going to automatically sift and sort people. And you don't have to be so explicit with like, oh, they are a blonde haired, 35 year old male. You don't have to be so explicit right. with the way that you would market that. No, exactly. And again, you've been instrumental in helping me do that because I was for a while, I'm like, do I just call out Gen X? And you kept saying you don't have to. So that, that's one thing. But now it doesn't happen as much anymore. But if someone gets into community, especially if you have a community forum or private group or Facebook group, and they're not the right fit or they're aggressive or whatever the vibe is that's just not fitting, yeah. you have to remove them quickly, even if it means sacrificing some money. And some people are scared to turn away even like $20 a month. I'm like, you have to, you have to do that because I think the reason my communities work is because it comes down to trust, right? They have to trust whoever the leader of the community is and who's kind of the face of it. And they have to know you're always going to have their back and you're always going to do what's best for them. If they think it's just a holding group so you can charge your $50 a month and then you're going to sell them something more expensive down the road, that's the whole purpose of it, they know. They're not dumb. So you have to protect them against all this stuff. And they have to know you always have their back. And when you screw up, admit it. And there's times where I screw up, oh man, I missed last week's call or I, you know, I, I was off by an hour, whatever it is. Here's what happened. Here's why it happened. I'm so sorry. It's never going to happen again. And none of this corporate mumbo jumbo, we sincerely apologize for the inconvenience. No, step up, man. I screwed up. I'm sorry. My bad. 100% my fault. It won't happen again. Let's go. And people are like, wow, that's so refreshing. But it's just being a human being, just being honest. But you got to protect them and just have integrity. They have to know you're just going to lead them and tell the truth. That's such a big thing with community. And I know it sounds common sense, but 
So few people do it. They always have a hidden agenda and everything is sneaky and they're just teaching the the why and then they're going to sell the how and they're just like, it's just this game that a lot of coaches have been taught over the years. I think even on that to kind of allay some people's fears around community building is that there is a lot less how that's needed anyway, because that's not really the overall value lens that someone is looking to extract from the community to begin with anyway. They're looking for people to connect with, to commune with, to bounce an idea off of, like in whatever vein it is, to be inspired by someone who might be just a little bit further ahead or they took faster action on something and you know, it closes the feedback loop of like, oh, okay, well, if I was just more consistent and disciplined over the next week or two weeks, I could get to that as well. And it's not the expert telling me, it's actually someone who's my peer. Right. And so I think some of the stuff that you were just talking about kind of leads back to like in your community, whether it's kicking somebody out and again, not to paint the horrible picture that this stuff happens frequently. It rarely, I mean, I can't, I honestly can't remember the last time I did it. It's been years. Yeah. But it's because I think you really lead through values. Right. This is who we are. This is what we stand for. Yeah. I just wanted to add one more thing just before I forget is that another important part of community, which I think sometimes as coaches we forget and as practitioners we forget this, is that even if it's a very specific topic we're talking about. So let's say you're coaching attorneys, high-performance attorneys, Mm -hmm. they're still human beings. And let's say you have an event going on and you have 500 of them, during the breaks, they're not just talking about torts, right? Yeah. They're talking about their families. They're talking, oh my God, did you see that new show? Did you see Game of Thrones? Like they're, They're talking about other stuff. And I think sometimes as community leaders, we're so scared to get out of our topic. Oh, we can't talk about anything that doesn't have to do with legal high performance. And what's crazy is that when I bring up topics like that, so for example, my group, which tends to have more Gen X, I'll say, you know, what 80s movie have you watched more than five times or something? And that will get more engagement and smiles and, oh my God, this is great versus, you know, what's your favorite email headline? Yeah. And I'm not saying you have to do it all the time, but don't be scared to throw that in there because we're still human beings and we still want to talk about other stuff. So I think that adds a lot of texture and humanity to your group. To only build on that, a guy that I know has a very thriving tech community. They're guys who are running basically the tech side of a larger company. And one of the things that he does is he does watch parties every month where they pick a sort of futuristic type movie that kind of involves tech, like whether it's Tron or whatever. And they just do a watch party where They live stream it into the group and then people are like chatting away as they're watching it. Like, oh, I love this scene or it's great. Oh, this could never happen. Or how could we do this today? Yeah. And he was telling me that it's one of the easiest things he's ever done, but it's the thing that they get the most excited about. Mm -hmm. And it's such a massive bonding point. And it has nothing to do with helping these people build their careers. Right quote, technically, but it actually does help them build their careers because they create a stronger bond with each other. And he said, the moment we started doing that more, about three months into doing three of these movies, we started to get more vulnerable posts in the group itself because people had built stronger trust and bond over shared experiences. Mm. So I think that's the big takeaway for me in some people that do great jobs at community and you're very, very good at this, is creating shared experiences, which then creates that sort of real community feel that you can't get, had nothing to do with your own content. 
Right. Had nothing to do with you doing a coaching call or a group coaching call with people. Had everything to do with you designing an experience that then caused people to connect. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the good stuff happens. I don't see a lot of community leaders doing it. They get nervous and, and they, I think they think that everyone's going to leave their group. They think everyone's like, oh, I'm here just for my attorney marketing ideas. And also, if you do have passions and hobbies, fold that in. Even if people aren't on the same page as you and like you're into Harley Davidson and someone doesn't like motorcycles, it doesn't matter. They still enjoy seeing people who are passionate about something. So I like to add that into everything I do. And I think it makes the experience just much more rich. And it's enjoyable, honestly. Like I can't just talk about marketing all day. I want to talk about movies and TV and other things. It's fun. And you don't have to do as much. So, <laughs> And I encourage people, if you go to ryanlee.com, one of Ryan's great superpowers is his email newsletter and his sort of like email strategy that he does. And I think you've been writing an email a day for, I don't know, 15 years now. Over 20. Yeah. Yeah. It's a masterclass in showing up consistently, which is one of your great superpowers. I appreciate it. Beyond ryanlee.com, where else can people find you, engage with you across the interwebs, right? The best place, honestly, is just go to ryanlee.com and just get on my newsletter. I call it daily-ish. And you can find me on Facebook, Instagram. I'm going to start my new YouTube channel. So I'm going to be in your face (laughs) and you're not going to be able to escape me now. Ryan, as always, it is a pleasure to get your energy into um, our world. So thanks for showing up today and uh, appreciate all the little uh, nuggets that you shared. Thank you, my friend. Anything for you, anything for UpCoach, go UpCoach, baby. Get in, UpCoach. <laughs> up your coaching. Do it now. Anything Todd says, there's only a handful of people in the world I listen to and I trust when it comes to marketing business advice. And Todd and I have an ongoing standing weekly call and we kind of always talk through business and life together. We help each other. Todd is just the good. So just stick with him and you'll be fine. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. There you go. Todd, was that a good endorsement? You're going to send me the check now? Yeah. Perfect. All right. Anyways, right. <laughs> You're a gem. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Thanks, Todd. And to the listener, we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the UpCoach podcast with your host, Todd Herman. I hope you got a lot of value from today's episode. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. So you get notified when we drop our next episode every week. Just type in the UpCoach podcast in the search and click the subscribe button on your favorite listening platform. And a review, a little star rating, wouldn't hurt. And finally, all the show notes, tips, links shared, and the transcript is over at upcoach.com slash podcast, where you can also get your free trial for our modern transformation platform, specifically built for coaches and creators that care. The UpCoach podcast is produced by our friends at Ventures FM. Now that's all for this episode. We'll see you next time. And of course, keep on coaching.